be the bartender. They can use my bedroom. They can use my body. I want to help. You want to molest my friends. Forget it. Why? You'll have a party, and I'll... Oh, God. Does he do this at the dinner table? Don't get me wrong. It's not like I've never had sex before. I've had lots of sex. It's just that now I'd like to try it with a partner. A teenager, fed up with being treated as just a pretty girl, finds out what life is like as a boy. This week, we chat about watching scrambled porn, James's high school hero, and why I have a tuxedo t-shirt. Then we find out if just one of the guys stands the test of time. James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? James says gladiator with a glut Alan says as a father blah blah It's the test of time James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Test of time James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Test of Time podcast. My name is Alan Noah. Your name is James Brief, just in case you got mixed up and you weren't sure which one you were and which one I was. I'm the guy that sounds like James Brief. You do sound like James Brief. The reason we say our names at the beginning is just in case we've got like a new listener. Maybe they don't know the difference. They don't know who's Alan and who's James. And, you know, like... I can say this. We're both Jewish. I I feel like our voices are like both kind of Jewish-y. Like, you know, it's not like one of us has like a really deep voice and one of us has like a really high-pitched voice. Like, they're a little similar. It it helps to remind people at the beginning of the episode, I think. I agree with you with that. Yeah, I think that we both (laughs) said. (laughs) Yeah, good one. Very good. Exactly. Um, Today, we are in the second of our um, three-decade-spanning trilogy of movies where teenagers swap gender roles. Today, we're going to explore just one of the guys. Yes, and as we were going to talk about this movie, I realized that there was really only one thing I remembered about this movie— I've seen it before, like I remember seeing it like as a kid, and really the only thing I remembered about it was that there are boobs in this movie. You know, like at one point, the character who's trying to prove that she really is a girl, she opens up her shirt and you can see her boobs. And I don't remember exactly how old I was when I watched this movie, but you know, when you're a kid, teenager, and you see boobs in a movie... That can make an impression on you. I mean, it certainly made an impression on me about this movie. I assume that happened to you when you were a kid, right? Unlike you, I know you've mentioned this before, you were a fan of Playboy when it was in print. Indeed. But I actually never had a Playboy as a kid. And, you know, this is certainly before the days of Pornhub or anything like that. And really the only place that there was the possibility of a boy like me seeing uh, any kind of uh, naked woman was if by chance when there was a movie on HBO and it said rated R or uh, even better, like not rated, and then the next scene it would say strong language or violence or it would say nudity. Do you remember these warnings, Al? Oh, yeah, because there was BN for brief nudity, which was like, 
okay, maybe it's just going to be like, you know, a butt on screen for half a second. Right, or like there's like the background of a, of a strip club, but it's not really central to the movie. That's going to be the brief nudity. Then you had, it would just say nudity, and that would probably be probably like American Pie, where there's just like a lot of boobs. And, and then, do you, do you remember what the third warning was, Al? Strong sexual content. Oh, yes. It was not usually a mainstream film. It was usually like one of these like weird films like Emmanuel in London. And (laughs) that was like like a softcore porn series, right? Emmanuel, I think. Right, right. I do remember that there was one month. I think there was some strike with Major League Baseball, Yankees, and MSG, or next something. Basically, we had paid for something in basic cable. We wanted to see the Yankees or Mets or whatever. I'm pretty sure it was the Yankees, but as uh, like sort of a compensation, we all got Cinemax for one month. <laughs> and I remember I was like 15 years old, and I was just like, oh my god. I couldn't believe that every night it was like nothing but those like strong sexual content movies. Did you ever have Cinemax? I don't think we did at my mom's house. Like there, you could maybe sometimes catch like the scrambled channels. Like remember, like trying to like look for a boob on scrambled channels. <laughs> this is like totally dates us. But like in the mid nineties, if you didn't have like a real cable connection, the picture would be like really blurry and like sometimes for like two seconds it would look okay. You'd sometimes just check those channels. My dad though. In California, he had an illegal cable box and he had all the channels. And so, oh, you know, like I, I remember like sneaking in there when I could and like tuning to the naughty channels and like seeing what you could see. Um, that was a way better setup. So you got to see the mythological Playboy channel? I mm-hmm. never saw that. I mean, no one I knew had the Playboy channel. But you actually got to watch it. Yeah, I mean, because of the illegal cable box. Um, I I think the statute of limitations is long over, so my dad doesn't get into trouble. But enough reminiscing about illegal porn channels. Let's talk about just one of the guys, uh, which only has one scene of nudity, but apparently it was memorable, at least to me. And this movie is about a character named Terry Griffith, who is a high school student convinced that she lost her school's writing competition because she's a girl. With the help of her brother and her best friend, Terry changes high schools and poses as a boy to prove her point. At her new school, Terry befriends Rick and decides to help him find a girlfriend. Terry also runs afoul of a bully named Greg, and a girl named Sandy becomes infatuated with Terry. Meanwhile, Terry has to keep her boyfriend Kevin at bay. In the end, Terry's ruse is discovered, but she learns what it's like to be just one of the guys. Get it? Elbow, elbow. Wink, wink. I do get it, like the name of the film we're reviewing. Exactly, exactly. So this movie came out in 1985. We were five years old, about to turn six. I don't remember seeing it in the theater. I have no idea if this was a big hit. I'm guessing not. You know, I mean, it was a $5 million budget film. It opened on April 26th, 1985. And actually, it was the number two film in a row for two weeks. And it wound up grossing $11.5 million. And, you know, it depends how much marketing there was to this uh, film. And maybe it made a couple bucks for people in the end. But, you know, it was certainly not a blockbuster. And this is at a time when there are so many, like, huge money-making teen hits. I mean, you have all 
your John Hughes films. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can even say The Karate Kid is kind of a teenager hit. Uh, Back to the Future is a smash. And, you know, you have even these modest hits of, like, uh, Better Off Dead. And this film, $11.5 million, it kind of seemed to have slipped through. Because it's got a lot of elements of all these 80s films. Yes, it does. And I love how the movie opens with Terry sleeping and then getting out of bed. It's this shot of this beautiful woman. And because she's a beautiful woman, she sleeps in her underwear on top of the sheets, you know, so it's very clear right away. Hey, look at her body. You know, like, do people sleep like that? Doesn't everyone sleep under a sheet usually? Well, I think the movie is going really, really like hitting the nail on the head of we're showing you as much as we can show at this point in the film. Right. And you know, this film is apparently rated PG-13. You know what? I could see that. There's a lot of sex stuff in this movie. That makes sense to me. No, uh, the fact that it has nudity in it. It's rated PG-13. I think that's amazing. I mean, today that would be rated R because of the, the final scene, wouldn't it? maybe i don't know like for like a quick shot i don't know i don't know exactly how the rules work all right well it's a very gratuitous shot you know she is a beautiful actress joyce heiser and you know in the beginning we see this woman uh she's the all-american girl she's got uh she's got a best friend she's got what they call the perfect college boyfriend (laughs) oh man Right, right. And we've talked about that before, that college guys who go out with high school girls in the movies, they're cool. But in real life, they're they're really not. I guess to the credit of this particular college boyfriend, he is very good looking and he's got a really nice car, but he's also just a total douchebag. Like, I, I just mean like in terms of like, why is he the perfect guy? The jawline in the car is really what does it, you know? absolutely had i watched this in 1985 i mean i would be very young but even if i watched this in 1995 probably as a high school person i would think whoa she is cool she's dating the college guy like could you imagine 15 year old al flirting with some 19 year old college sophomore that was home for the weekend it would not be pretty. No. <laughs> no. No. It would not be pretty for a 15-year-old James. But this best friend character, she's very sweet and you know, you want her to be your everyone's best friend, but she's got a dilemma that can't possibly relate to anyone watching this film and you know, she's supposed to be one of the good guys and she says, "Ugh, three different guys have asked me out and I'm not sure which one I should take to the prom." It's not even for the prom. It's just like for like a regular Saturday night. She just has so many options to go out on a date. And I was like romanticized by like the concept of dates because of movies. And in my high school, I don't know about yours, but I felt like no one went on dates. Like some people had boyfriends and girlfriends, but they were just like a couple and they just decided we are a couple now. Hey, I like you. And maybe they made out at parties or whatever. But like the idea of like going out on a date to a restaurant and a movie, it seemed like a thing that didn't really happen or maybe it did. And I was just too much of a nerd to actually know anything about it. That's a distinct possibility. I would say, uh, you know, it wasn't that common, like uh, certainly before you had a car, you can't do anything. Right. Although, could you imagine what it's like today in the age of uh, ride shares? Like if you could order your kid a ride to TGI Fridays and let's say he decided, all right, dad, I'll turn on like location services or something. 
you know, freshman, sophomore in high school before they have a driver's license, they could be going on dates in the suburbs. That's true. That is a valid point. Uh, Denise is the best friend character. Terry's brother is obsessed with her. His name is Buddy. But Buddy, I recognized as Mikey from Parker Lewis Can't Lose, which was a show that I loved, 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 loved. And as soon as I saw him, I was like, hey, wasn't that guy in Parker Lewis Can't Lose? But yeah, he is like obsessed with Denise and he's hitting on her constantly throughout the entire movie. And he and his sister have like very open and frank conversations about sex, which I mean, I guess good for them. They're very progressive. It's it's a very sex positive movie, I suppose. I like when he says that he's had lots of sex, but he just wants to try it with a partner. That's a good line. That was a good line. Yeah. Um, And, you know, he plays like the archetype of a lot of like the horny side character. Like, I just want to do anything to get laid. Yes, definitely. So Buddy's got this problem of he can't get laid. Denise has this problem of she's being asked out by losers. And Terry's problem is that she wants to get this internship through her school newspaper because she has her heart set on being a journalist. And there's only two students who are chosen for this internship. And Terry is not one of them. And she thinks her article is really good. And she goes and confronts like the leader of the journalism club. And he is very dismissive of her and says, well, your writing's good but mm, it's not good enough. Maybe you can be a model or something instead. And Terry is like obviously infuriated by that. Like just because I'm pretty, that means I can't be smart too. And she feels like she only lost this contest because she's a girl. So then she gets dressed up as a boy and like rings the doorbell at her house and Buddy answers the door. And at first he doesn't recognize who this guy is And then Terry's like, yeah, I could pull this off. I could be a boy and see if I'm right. See if I could submit this article as a boy. And she believes that then she will get this dream internship. She's basically explaining her idea. And there's a smash cut from, uh, you know, the beautiful young woman we've seen to this uh, this guy who basically, and, I, you know, they wind up actually saying this later, a guy who dresses like Elvis Costello and looks like uh, Daniel's son from The Karate Kid. He looks like Ralph Macchio, basically, a mid-80s yeah. Ralph Macchio. Definitely, definitely. I read something in the trivia today that that was kind of the look they were going for with Boy Terry. The director, maybe some of the other producers or whatever, they all thought Ralph Macchio was just the dreamiest. So that was kind of what they wanted Boy Terry to look like. And yeah, she absolutely does have that look. Uh, There's a funny scene where Buddy is giving her like how to be a guy lessons. And one thing that I thought really did stand the test of time is that Terry is like kind of being narrow and buddy's like saying no like guys take up space like be wide like spread your hips and you know because you live in the city that's like a thing that people talk about on the subways the man spread you know like guys just have to sit with their legs open and take up like two seats for no fucking reason i know what you mean i mean you know her voice is is interesting she's somewhat small framed but she has the voice like the masculine voice of like a tough guy <laughs> like of a guy that's like a hundred pounds heavier than her it kind of works but i, I just find that particular voice just you know, comical 
I mean, she's better about it than Jonathan Brandis was in Ladybugs. Like, she's more consistent with, like, her guy voice, you know, throughout the course of the movie. A hundred percent. She definitely pulls off the uh, uh, playing the opposite gender much more convincing than Jonathan Brandis did. Um, When it comes to the voice acting, not when it comes to the soccer playing. (laughs) Right. Obviously. Uh, But so Terry goes to this other school in her town and she immediately meets the bully at this school, this character named Greg, who is played by William Zapka, who is also the bully in The Karate Kid. And he was basically the same exact character in three movies, Karate Kid, this movie, and I'm guessing you know the third one. Oh, yeah, back to school. I, I once read yeah. a fantastic fan fiction about how it's the same character. And he basically, like, started out in uh, Reseda in L.A., but then he got his ass kicked by this, like, total nobody in his high school. So he moved to another high school and became a big bully, but then he got his ass kicked at prom. So then he, like, went off to some private school to finish off high school and then went off to a college where he was the big asshole on the diving team. And it's basically the same guy. By then, he changed his name to Chaz. Right. I mean, he's the same character in all three of those movies. And like now watching him in Cobra Kai, like, oh, I kind of like Johnny, you know, like he's he's not such a bad guy anymore. But in that stretch of time in the 80s, you saw Zapka. He was bad news. Oh, no, 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 no. There is a big difference. At the very end of Karate Kid, Johnny hands Danielson the, the trophy and says, you're all right, LaRusso. There always were some redeeming parts of Johnny. There are no redeeming parts to Chaz or Greg. Zero. That is very, very valid. But then uh, Terry also meets Rick, who's kind of an outcast at this high school. And there are these nerds who they think that they're aliens or robots or something. Like, this is like a really extreme version of what nerds are, even for the 80s. Oh, I found them hysterical because they're totally unrealistic, but they were just like, talking like this, the aliens are coming to get us. Yes, they are. Like when a teacher would call on them, the humanoid is asking us these questions. They're talking like as if they're computers. And in 1985, I guess that's what, you know, a computer robot would sound like because they wouldn't imagine that eventually computers would figure out human voices. Right, right. I think if Alexa's actually sounded like that, no one would buy them. Like if Alexa sounded like the speak and spell. (laughs) Right. That would not be popular. But she also then has to go to gym class and the gym teacher is not going to let her get out of class. And like he's also weirdly like obsessed with bowling, which is just like this weird random fact about him that never comes up again. Very odd. But um, in order to change for Jim, she like lights a fire in the bathroom. So everyone has to run out of the, the locker room and then she changes. I feel like all of this doesn't stand the test of time. I mean, when I was in high school in the 90s, I didn't have to change for Jim. I mean, like maybe if I was wearing jeans, you know, you, you'd wear like a different kind of pants. But like there weren't gym uniforms, right? Did you have that? No, absolutely not. You just had to be wearing, like, you know, athletic clothing of some sort. 
Right, right. The gym teacher also says that he's going to do surprise jock checks, so you better be wearing your jock strap. What the hell does that mean? Oh, God. Even if you think about it, like... There's no other meaning that it could possibly have except that he pulls on the elastic of every boy's shorts and looks down into their underwear to see if they're wearing protective equipment for their testicles. Oh, see, that's not what I thought. I thought he would, like, hit you in the crotch with, you know, hopefully not, like, a baseball bat, but, like, something. And if you're wearing the jockstrap, you hear a little, like, thud and... The kid is fine. If the kid's not wearing the jock strap, they go down and crumple to the floor in agony. Either way, it's not great. <laughs> yeah. The jock strap inspection. Surprise jock strap inspection. <laughs> yeah, it is, doesn't look good for this coach in any way. No. But, uh, you know, there is something that totally did bring back uh, nightmares to me. And that was that uh, the bullies come in and they grab a random, you assume like a freshman, and they just pick him up and they throw him, presumably into the showers. I was on the track team and that was a real thing that the uh, some of the seniors and upperclassmen used to do, and I was always terrified of it happening. And one time, they like found me in the locker room, and I was like kind of alone. And they basically cornered me, and they grabbed me, and they kind of like I was. I actually started fighting off. I kicked one of them into the locker, but there were like four of them, so they got me, and they were holding me. And then this senior, and I'll never forget him, Jorge Garcia. He came in, and he he goes. Put him down. And the guy just put me down like, what, what? We're just like joking around, Jorge. I, I was always scared that they, they were going to get me again, but uh, they, they didn't. But because after that, um, you know, Jorge kind of like scared him. And Jorge Garcia, over 20 years later, you're still remembered as a hero to me. Oh, and then a hero comes along. <laughs> I never got showered, but I was terrified of getting showered because, like, my friends would get picked off one by one. <laughs> and, like, I was just dreading it happening. And they throw you in with your clothes, by the way. I it's, figured. It's, I don't want people to think I almost got, like, you know, horribly uh, assaulted. They would have thrown me in the showers and turned on all the shower heads. That's the worst that would have happened. See, in my locker room in my high school there were showers but i don't even think they functioned i don't think they turned on like that room was where they just stored like old gym mats nobody ever used them like not like after gym class not after football games like they were there but they served no function whatsoever Not in my high school either, except I didn't play football, but I'd come back from a practice when there would be a game, and I would see, like, 10 guys that were in the shower, and I'd be like, I think it was the visiting team, like, they would shower, and once in a while, like, it was used, and it was like, whoa, you know, you're just not used to that when when you walk around, because it was just never used, like, probably your high school. Right. Getting back to Terry, like, she should have had some kind of a plan for what to do when she got to gym class. Like, that should have been something she should have planned ahead for as she's going into the school as a girl pretending to be a boy. And she clearly had no plan, but she gets out of it because she fakes a stomach ache when the coach says that they're going to be playing basketball shirts versus skins. 
Again, something that doesn't stand the test of time. Again, for me in the 90s, we never played shirts versus skins. I feel like that would be humiliating, especially for like me, 14-year-old Alan. I was just skin and bones. Like That would have been humiliating to ever be a skin. Oh, shirts and skins was only like never in school, but I certainly played shirts versus skins, like basketball and, and, and that stuff. Yeah, but that's different if you're on like the playground with like three of your best friends as opposed to in front of like 30 kids in your grade and maybe like the girls team is on the other side of the gym, but maybe they can still see you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you would never have the uh, boys in high school do that. But I feel like maybe they did in the 60s. And the screenwriter is remembering, like, the 60s that they probably did do this. Maybe, maybe. But Terry, she starts talking more with Rick, and they become friends. I do like when Rick mentions his favorite bands, because he's really into music, and he likes The Clash, Talking Heads, Bruce Springsteen, and Prince. Which, if you're going to name four artists that were popular in 1985... They picked four good ones that still stand the test of time. Like, you know, people still know those four bands. So good choices there. Oh, absolutely. I was waiting for cringy things that I was going to totally make fun of you for. If they were like, Simple Minds, they're going to be the band of the 90s and 2000s. They actually picked good choices. He's also really into James Brown, who, okay, maybe people aren't like obsessed with James Brown now, but that's still a name that everyone knows. As far as like a pop culture reference, they did a pretty good job with a lot of these uh, musicians. Also, just a P.S., Joyce Heiser, who plays Terry, she in real life was dating Bruce Springsteen at the time that they shot this movie. Fun fact. Wow, I did not know that. Mm, well, now you do. That's what I'm here for, people. Um, so she's uh, she's starting to like Rick. And actually, there's this girl at high school, Sandy, that starts liking Terry, you know, as as a guy. You know, she's the one who says that he looks like Elvis Costello and the Karate Kid. So um, there's a little love triangle a Bruin. But anyway, remember, the point of the film was that she decided to disguise herself as a male because she thought that if she turned in her caliber of work as a guy, that would certainly get her the praise that she was entitled to. As a guy, she turns in this story, and the head of the newspaper is like, no, it's just not good enough, and and he explains to her what's wrong with it. So you're starting to get the sense that maybe it's not that she's just being the victim of pure sexism, maybe her writing could use some improvement. And of course, when the first journalism teacher says, you should be a model, obviously that is still horrifically sexist and also just not at all constructive. Like the journalism teacher at this new high school gives Terry some like advice on like ways that he can improve his writing. I'm saying he because this is for boy Terry. But, you know, like he actually offers some helpful advice so you can sort of see like how maybe that could help terry but terry is there to like get this internship but he sort of then gets sidetracked into helping rick 
find a girlfriend. And is Terry doing that for the article? Maybe. Or maybe she's just really interested in it. And she's kind of thinking in the back of her mind that that will be what she will write about. I feel like they a little bit kind of lost the thread there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the point being is that they become like BFFs. And uh, Terry Starner actually really like Rick. They're talking about their first time, you know, having sex. And Rick mentions that his father died. But he says that he lost his virginity to one of his mom's friends after his dad died. Right. I guess to, like, maybe make him feel better. Yeah. I heard that, and I was like, wait, what? That's, like, so shocking. And the line just, like, comes and goes. Terry has, like, basically no reaction to that. It's like, oh, okay. Hey, is that your room over there? Like, wait, 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 wait. Maybe we should dissect that a little bit. You had sex with one of your mom's friends after your dad died? Holy fuck! Like, that is insane. <laughs> and, like, you know, from a test of time perspective, you could put something like that in a movie today. Sure, why not? But I feel like you would need to then spend some time unpacking that and, like, you know, the, the psychological effects of such a thing as opposed to just kind of, like, letting it go. I don't know. Maybe it was just supposed to be, like, a joke but, I mean, it definitely, you know, made me, like, do a double take when I heard that line. I mean, it's definitely burying the lead because he says that line and basically Terry's reaction is, whoa, you lost your virginity. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> basically, the, you know, the, what comes out of that. Like, wow, that's a great first time story. Um, and it turns out that Rick is having trouble finding a date. So Sandy, the girl that likes Terry, she arranges for a double date for the two of them. And you know, the double date, what's the deal w with this cousin? Well, the thing is, is that she's way too young. Sandy's whole thing is she's got a cousin that's really cute and is really sweet and Rick will like her. But then once they get to the double date, it's, oh, and also she's... 12, 13. That's what I thought it was. Because then he, like, walks away with her. I'm like, is he taking her to, like, make out with her? But no, he's just walking away because he's letting... He thinks he's letting Terry and Sandy make out. Exactly, exactly. Okay, all right. Because I really was like, did they both make out? No, you're assuring me that Rick did not make out with this 12-year-old. Right, yeah. There's definitely a line okay. later where Terry apologizes to Rick. And then uh, Rick even makes some joke later. He's like... Oh, let me guess. Next time we're going to go out on a double date and I'm going to be with Sandy's grandma. So like obviously the other direction, but like the other age inappropriate way. Yeah, he leaves them alone so they can make out. And Sandy finds the socks in Terry's pants because obviously she's a girl and she's trying to look like a boy. But it's like actually almost in a weird way kind of sweet because sandy's like you don't need to do that to impress me i don't care like how small could it be and then terry's like you wouldn't believe it if i told you because get it she's a girl but you know sandy's not being judgmental she really likes terry you know and buddy even makes a point like while they're talking before this date and he's saying like you're gonna toy with this poor girl's emotions all you transvestites are alike and i 
right up until that point, I was thinking like, you know, they're being pretty progressive and respectful of the whole, you know, gender bending thing. And obviously the word transvestite doesn't stand the test of time, but also just like that sentiment doesn't stand the test of time, that that's like the quote unquote fear about transgender people, that they're trying to trick others, you know, they're lying to people and and deceiving them. So that isn't a politically correct sentiment. It is interesting that this movie actually uh, even makes any mention of this character Sandy's feelings. But the movie actually takes a moment to go, you know, that kind of is fucked up what you did to this girl. It's a unique thing in these kind of films. It is. And there's a moment later where Sandy comes to Terry's house, like to apologize for coming on too strong on that date. And she brings uh, some kissing fish as, you know, like a token of goodwill. P.S. Courtney got me uh two of those kinds of kissing fish years ago when I had an aquarium. And it was a sweet gift. I think it was for Valentine's Day. Oh, And Sandy's like really trying to hook up with Terry, but then Terry's college boyfriend, Kevin, shows up. And so Terry kind of has to run back and forth, you know, between the different outfits and everything. And so she's trying to like, get Kevin out of the house and she tells Buddy, hey, there's like a half-naked girl in your room. Like, she's all yours. Go get her. And I kind of thought that Buddy was going to go in there and be like, hey, hey, how you doing there? And and she was going to say, well, I'm horny. You're horny. Why not? You know, like I was all ready to be like, well, that's unrealistic and that's bullshit and they shouldn't do that. But that's not what happens. Buddy walks into the room and says, you know, that kind of thing of like, hey, baby. And she's like, oh, my God, I don't know you. I like your brother. I am not at all interested in you. And she runs out of the room embarrassed. And I thought that was like almost surprisingly respectful of this character. It was definitely uh, against the trope you were ready to roll your eyes at. Yes, definitely. There's a lunch cafeteria scene where we had previously seen uh, Greg Williams Zabka's character bully people, and he wakes to go to the nerd table and lift up the table so the trays slide down and, and hit people in their laps or also, you know, just fall on the floor. And Rick has had enough, so he stands on top of the uh, tables, and he's, uh, you know, he's basically mocking him. He's like, you know, give it up for this guy. He learned how to lift a table and getting everyone to cheer and kind of laugh at him because that's, you know, a bully's weakness. And then he gets uh, the students to basically sacrifice their lunches by all lifting their tables so that all their lunch trays fall on Greg. He gets his comeuppance with some mashed potatoes as well. (laughs) Which is the best kind of comeuppance. And then Deborah, who's Greg's girlfriend, has had enough and she walks away. And Terry's talking Rick up and like, you got to go and ask out somebody right now. Because before that, he's asking girls out and striking out. But he's the hero of the school right now. He's got to go for it. And so he goes up to Deborah, Greg's girlfriend, although they broke up, you know, like 30 seconds ago, he asks her to prom and she says yes, which is, you know, a great moment for Rick. But Terry is jealous. Greg's obviously like super angry. But then Rick says to Terry, you need to come to prom too. If you don't show up, I'm not going. And it's a little bit confusing because Rick knows that Terry has a girlfriend, Because earlier in the movie, Buddy comes to the school and says, your girlfriend, Kevina, was looking for you. 
because it's really her boyfriend, Kevin. So he makes it the girlfriend, Kevina. Ha ha ha. And also, like, from a test of time perspective, now he wouldn't need to show up at the school to tell her that message in person. He could just text her. But Rick is, like, kind of oblivious to this idea of Kevina as the girlfriend because he's like, you got to have a date. You got to come to prom. Whoever it is that you bring, just bring someone. And Terry brings her friend Denise, and when Terry asks Denise to the prom, I really like what Denise says. She says, you are so sexually confused, and I thought that was a great line because it's one of those moments of, like, acknowledging the craziness of this movie. Like, it is confusing. Like, Terry is a little sexually confused, and by having her best friend kind of just say it out loud, I was like, yes, perfect, thank you. Like, I'm glad someone just said the thing that everyone should be thinking. And um, this is prom. This is where it's all going to happen. And I love this band that's playing. Like, they are so 80s. Would you say they're so 80s, Al? I mean, define that. What does that mean? Well, they're wearing these neon colors and there's a keyboard there and i mean i would say that it might be uh maybe a little new agey you mean new wave new wavy yes exactly (laughs) Uh, i guess and and like the maybe it's a singer or the guitar player is like kind of making eyes at denise and denise kind of goes off with him and terry is fine with that because she's not interested in Denise. She's looking over at Rick and Deborah. And then Sandy is like, hey, your date's like going and hanging out with the guitar player. That's not cool. And Terry says to Sandy, eh, you know, it's fine. We're not really exclusive. Uh, But then Kevin has been like neglected throughout the whole movie. And Kevin shows up at Terry's house and like demands that Buddy take him to wherever Terry is. And I love when Buddy's like, oh, it's a formal event. I need to get dressed. And he puts on a tuxedo t-shirt. I think the reason I own a tuxedo t-shirt now is because I remembered seeing this character in this movie wearing it. And I was like, that's so funny. I need to have one of those. But obviously it's bad news for Terry when Kevin shows up at prom. And this is the climax. Uh, The bully's there, and Rick is there, and they just go at it. They start fighting. Greg gets a cheap shot in on Rick, but then um, Terry jumps on his back, and, you know, he's trying to to help him out. But then uh, he picks him up and throws Terry into the ocean. Right, because this prom takes place, like, on the beach because it's California, I guess. I do have to say, this fight scene is terrible. Every punch looks so fake. And, you know, Zapka has done better realistic fighting scenes in, you know, The Karate Kid, which came out the year before. I don't know, maybe like the actor who played Rick just wasn't good at fighting. Every punch was just like, that's a fake Hollywood punch that came nowhere near his face, even though he's pretending he got hit. Did you notice that? I did notice it, but it was very underwhelming. The only thing I remember is Greg picking up Terry and throwing him into the uh, the ocean. And then, you know, after this fight, after Rick beats up Greg, Rick says to Kevin, like, who are you? And Kevin says, I'm Terry's boyfriend. And then Terry's like, okay, Rick, we need to talk. And they go off to the side. And Rick thinks that Terry's secret that he has is that he is gay. And no, no, that's not quite it. I do just have to say, I was really expecting at that point for Rick to say, look, I get it. You're gay. It's okay. I don't care. We're still friends. Like, Rick seems to be okay with Terry being gay, but he never actually says it. And then Terry just says, no, no, I'm a girl. 
look at these and she opens up her shirt and there's the boobs. And definitely, like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, when I saw this movie as a kid, I thought, but watching it now, all I could think of is, wow, this woman has really large breasts and you don't notice them throughout the movie. She must have like had to really like tape them down. And I was reading in like the behind the scenes trivia that she was like massively uncomfortable during the shooting because one, yes, just obviously taping them down was uncomfortable, but also they were shooting in the desert in the summer. That just sounds miserable. But Rick is pissed because Terry lied to him And, you know, Terry was pretending to be something that he wasn't, she wasn't. And Rick kind of like storms off. Terry chases him back to prom, kisses Rick in front of everyone, but then, you know, just leaves prom. Yeah. And uh, Rick turns to the crowd because everyone just saw Rick kiss, uh, you know, what they think is this guy in their grade, Terry. And Rick turns to the crowd and goes, don't worry, she has tits. (laughs) He's trying to like save face i guess so that people wouldn't think that he's gay you would hope from a test of time perspective that that wouldn't be the case now that people would be more accepting but it does seem like the rest of the prom doesn't really care you know it's not like they immediately start laughing at him or shunning him or calling him names everyone just kind of like shrugs and goes back to dancing yeah and it's one of those things in retrospect like What's the worst that could possibly happen at prom? Because in like 15 days, you're never going to see anyone ever again. (laughs) That is true. That is a valid point. Um, But then Terry has her article, I guess, which is all about this stuff that happened with, you know, like her gender bending adventures. She gets the internship that she wanted at the newspaper. She thanks her journalism teacher from the first school. And I was like, kind of baffled by that because she's like, you were the one who pushed me. I wouldn't have had this success if it wasn't for you. And that's technically true. But he also said, your writing's okay, but just be a model instead. Like, don't thank that guy. Like, that guy does not deserve praise. Technically, he pushed her in the right direction, but only by being a sexist prick. You know, I have to say that I think that what the writers were going for, the guy was like, you're just not good enough to be a journalist at this point. But, you know, don't worry, you're still beautiful enough to be a model. And I'm saying, I think they meant that as a, as a nice thing. We see this for what it is, but I don't think they meant that journalism character. And based on the fact that she thanks him, I think I'm correct. That I think they see him as more of the guy that did say a lot of things true to her about her actual writing before he said the other things that were sexist. But he didn't help her with her writing. Like the second journalism teacher says, like, here's what you should do. You should put more emotion into your writing. And that's like... A helpful tip. The first guy is just like, eh, you're not that good, but you're pretty. I totally agree with you. Although, you know, it's implied that he's been her teacher for a longer time. So maybe, you know, he has been saying stuff because she just thinks I can never get it past him just because I'm a girl. But I agree with you. At the very least, she should have thanked both of her journalism teachers. Yes. But then it kind of skips ahead to the summer. She has this job that she wanted. She's at the local newspaper. Buddy drives up because I guess the two of them share a car. And he says that he's put a buck's worth of gas in the car. And I definitely had friends who used to say that shit to me because I would let some of my friends borrow my car in high school, like just to go on like a quick errand or whatever. I had a piece of shit car. I didn't care. But they would be like, oh, yeah, I put in a dollar's worth of gas. Like you went all the way to the gas station and you put in one dollar. 
You, you couldn't have made it $3, you know, like just one buck. To be fair, back then, a gallon was, I think, you know, significantly under a dollar, maybe like 89, 79 cents. And if a gallon gets you approximately 15, 20 miles, you know, he's like, yeah, put 15 miles in there. Yeah, but that's like an older car. Probably didn't get very good mileage. Yes, I know what you're saying. But like, even still, like he says it with a smirk. Like he knows he's being a prick. Uh, He tells Terry that she should smile more. That's a thing that women hate to hear when a guy says, oh, you should just smile more. You're so pretty. Smile more. But then Rick shows up and he's ready to forgive Terry. It took him some time to process what happened, I guess, which is fair. But Terry's really happy to see him. She asks him out. And then he says, no, no, let me ask you out. I'm the guy. And she's like, all right, whatever. Well, do you want to go for a ride? And he's like, yeah, but only if I can drive because I'm the guy. And it's her car. Like, why does he get to drive her car? And I was so disappointed by the ending here. Like, I thought they could have gone in so many cooler, better, more interesting ways because there's stuff in this movie that's actually kind of progressive and interesting in terms of like the gender confusion and gender identity and stuff. And then at the end, it's just like, nope, boy asks girl out, boy drives car. That's how it works. Like, I think the word you would use is heteronormative. It's like, oh, really? That's where you go in like the last five seconds of the movie. And then like some girl shows up on a motorcycle, but he's like, yay, girl for me. And that's where the movie ends. I don't believe we've seen this woman before, right? No, we have not. It's just like a random thing. I mean, he says before that that he has a sex life. You know, he he does end up hooking up with Sandy after the prom. This is not Sandy. They could have had it be that he's still with Sandy, but I don't know. I guess we're supposed to understand that he's got lots of sexual partners now. Good for Buddy, I guess. But so we are at the end of the movie. James, do you think that just one of the guys stands the test of time? You know, um, I'm going to say some things I liked about this film. Um, Joyce Heiser, she was a fun actress in this film. Maybe not quite as charming as like uh, a mid-80s Leah Thompson, but the role that she plays for what she's given, I think she passes certainly as looking like a boy a lot more than the horrible Martha from Ladybugs last week who didn't disguise the voice. Like the wig looked like it was basically just taken off of a mop. Yeah, they actually took some time to make that somewhat believable. Obviously, there's a lot of ridiculous things in this film. Like, they don't explain how Terry, like, goes to another high school. Did she enroll here? She's there for months and months, and and then, like, what happened to, like, the original Terry that was rejected by the uh, newspaper guy, and then, like, five months later turns in some articles? Like, what happened to her? They never explain this thing. That's a very good point, but I do think it only takes place over like a week or maybe two. So it's not like that long of a period of time, but still you are right. Like if a student just doesn't show up to class for two weeks, like there's going to be some phone calls. People are going to wonder what the hell happened. Right. I think it's so obvious to have had some kind of 80s thing where they forge either a phone call or a letter from mom saying she has mono. There you go. That's it. Mono is your ticket to be out for 
as long as you need to be out for for plot purposes. But it, it just really bothered me. I'm like, Whoa, what's going on here? But um, there's something else that bothered me. I, I thought it was a big improvement over last week, but still has not hit it. And I wonder if she's the man will improve this. But, you know, I didn't really understand the point of her gender swapping because last week I didn't really understand why he joined the girls football team there was no real motivation for him to do it and in this film I can't tell whether it's really lazy or maybe it's somewhat clever but her whole thing is you think it's to like infiltrate like I can really do something any of the boys can do and it turns out um you know, no, it wasn't sexist. I mean, the guy happened to be sexist. But this decision, based on the fact that two independent people, and one of them you have no reason to believe he's, he's sexist, like they both think she's just not good enough. And then she, as a person, improves her journalism. Like, I, I just don't think there's really any point to her um, gender switching and no real specific lesson I think she learned. That's just what really bothers me about these two films. Like, there's just no gender genuine good reason here i have to say just uh the film itself it's just a little bit too 80s for me it's just the buddy character i don't think he's cringy and like oh this is so sexist and outdated i'm like i just think he's genuinely supposed to be liked by a very specific person and that's like a 15 16 year old guy or girl i don't know but like i found him kind of annoying I didn't find the side characters interesting. Um, I always liked seeing William Zabka in a film. Always fun seeing him. But this film, to me, it just... It missed the mark. It's got a couple good scenes in it, but it really doesn't go anywhere with its premise. And actually, a very decent cast. Uh, it's a shame that just for me, I didn't really enjoy it as much as I thought I would. So for me, no, it does not stand the test of time. What do you think, Al? Does just one of the guys stand the test of time? I gotta be honest with you. While I was watching this, there were a lot of moments where I was like, you know what? This movie might actually do it. This movie might actually stand the test of time. I had very low expectations going in. I was thinking that it was going to be terrible and it was going to be super cheesy and stuff. But it's surprisingly sex positive. It's surprisingly feminist when Terry is like, I can be beautiful and smart. And she's standing up to her sexist teacher and her sexist boyfriend and all of this shit. She's got ambition and she's going to prove that she can do what she wants to do. And it's a teenage sex comedy, but with the gender swap angle, it's got like a really cool take on it. And I like that. I thought it was really interesting. And I was even reading today that the director was saying that she has heard from people, you know, who watch this movie and they're gay, they're trans, and they really related to this movie and they really felt like, this is me, like, I, I get it. And that's great. That's like a wonderful thing. Um, but like the ending, like just going back to like that so narrow definition of like, this is what the boy does. This is what the girl does. It like completely upends everything that happened in the movie prior to that. And it's a shame. It's sort of like you were saying last week with Ladybugs that like they kind of learned this lesson, but then at the end of Ladybugs, it's like, oh, now we've got a whole team of boys dressed as girls, but da 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 joke. And <laughs> you could kind of forgive that in Ladybugs because it's a stupid comedy. And this is also a stupid comedy, but like they were kind of making some kind of point or so I thought. And then I was really, really disappointed at the the very end 
Um, just one other note about it being a comedy. There's one moment we didn't talk about when Buddy and Terry are at home and the phone rings and Buddy picks up the phone and he's like, yes, scumbag, suck your own, eat me, fuck you, same to you, butt face. And then he like hangs up and is like, oh, mom says hi. That cracked me up. I don't know why. It's very, very lowbrow, but that really made me laugh. There is funny stuff. There is good stuff in here. I just wish that a lot of what Terry did wasn't more deception. Like, there's a lot of people that she heard in this film. And I guess it's nice that Rick in the end was like, okay, I'm actually cool with it. And Sandy, you know, she was completely deceived here. Right. And like I was saying before, I think they treat the Sandy character respectfully in a lesser movie they could call her a slut. They could absolutely be like, oh, that girl, Sandy, she's just a slut. Like, no, she's not. She's a teenager who's horny and is exploring her sexuality like all of these other characters. And, you know, fine. They don't judge her in the movie. And I think that's great. Meanwhile, then you also have like these really bizarre characterizations of these kids, like the nerds who are the super robot nerds and the gym teacher who loves bowling and he talks about it for five seconds and then never brings it up. You have this kid who's obsessed with bugs and like lizards and animals that he brings to every class like what the hell is that about like it's not funny it's almost like they were like oh here's a character wait we need this character to have a thing why because we do Uh, all right it's really really weird i think you could make this movie again today but if you did you would need it to have some angle that would make it a little bit more inclusive maybe at the end of the movie terry decides you know what i kind of like being a boy sometimes and i'm gonna be non-binary maybe rick is gonna say i liked you as a boy and now i'm a little bit confused and i'm not sure about my sexuality like there would need to be something like if you made this movie today there would need to be a character who ends up being gay, trans, non-binary, and you could still have some of the characters be heterosexual. Cool, fine. But the movie couldn't just end with, and everyone's straight, and all the boys are boys, and the girls are girls, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, the end. Like, that just doesn't strike me as a a modern way to end the movie. So for that reason, I'm going to say that it does not stand the test of time. Even though I did enjoy watching the movie. I enjoyed seeing Joyce Heiser's boobs, and I I did laugh out loud several times in the movie, but uh, no, it doesn't stand the test of time. I mean, I think you actually hit something uh, pretty profound that, like, in a modern film, the Rick character would be like, you know, I liked you both. Maybe I'm just pansexual, something like that. Yeah. But it's just a a cisgender uh, straight girl dressing up. And I think if you modernize it, you would definitely have to have someone, you know, have some kind of like thoughts of actual, you know, transgender issues. There there would have to be if this is made today. You could even have a movie today start with she just puts on boy clothes to prove a point to her teacher. But then, yes, she would have to meet a transgender character or talk about what that means. Like at, at some point, like that would have to happen along the journey for sure. Or you could do it where she does this in high school and then immediately everyone's like, okay, you're cool. You know, boy, girl, whatever you want to be. Right. <laughs> and then there's like the movie, like, it's a lot easier than I thought. Right, right, right. Yeah, that that's also true. So that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, we're going to talk about She's the Man, the 2006 movie with Amanda Bynes and 
Channing Tatum? Is that right? That is correct. It's Channing Tatum, Anime on the Binds. I have never seen it. I would have never in a million years picked this movie for the podcast, but it fits the theme and and you suggested it. So that's what we're going to do next week. We'll see how this type of movie is made in the 2000s. We hope you will listen to that episode because we hope you listen to all of our episodes. We love it when you listen. As always, we want you to talk to us. We are at Test of Time Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let us know your thoughts on showering in gym class and watching scrambled porn and uh, all of it. We love hearing your thoughts. And we'll see you next time, everybody. Bye. Bye.